You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Church and Pleasant Green Road. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now here's our pastor with this week's sermon. Thank you, choir. Thanks, Becky. I don't know what emotions come to your mind when you hear a song like that. We start, start talking about the mercy of God and, and all that He's done for us. And, and for me, two emotions kind of rise to the top. Um, the first one is one of sorrow. You may say, well, I don't, I don't get it. Why sorrow? I, I guess it's because of the realization that somebody had to go and pay the penalty for me because of my sin. So there's a, there's a sorrow that's involved in there. I wish it hadn't had to happen, or I wish it didn't have to be so. And then the other emotion that comes with that is this joyous emotion, because I realize that as much as I'm sorry or sorrowful about what took place, I'm also joyous because it did. Because I'm no longer under the penalty of my sin, because I've given my life to Christ. I've said, God, you, you take my life, and I want to accept your forgiveness. I want to recognize what you did on the cross for me in shedding your blood. And because you shed your blood for me, I get to be free from that penalty. I don't have to serve that sentence. I don't have to come under the wrath of God because of my sin. So there's a couple of emotions that come with that. When you think of um, salvation from your perspective, how do you see it? Do you have those same kind of thoughts? So we have the privilege of receiving mercy out of the grace and the, um, the faithfulness of Almighty God. And so today, we kind of look at that and we say, man, that is awesome. Because God is who He is, and in His character, He loved us enough to send His Son to die for us. That is a, a tremendous privilege. And with that privilege comes the res- a responsibility to tell others about that. Uh, last week, we began this series. Well, we were continuing the series, but we began looking at the specifics of our vision and, and what it means to have a vision Um, that God has given us and how we're to live out life as a church body. And so we started with the understanding of of, um, talking talking about our mission statement. And we started with talking about us. Why do we exist? And this whole want to in us that is kind of natural, that we don't want just to live our 70, 80, 90, 115 years, whatever it happens to be, to live that and say, well, that's it. That's all there is. Is we kind of live with the idea that we want our legacy to go beyond just our lifetime or just that piece of span of time that we live for God in between birth and death. So we want it to last longer. So we say, well, if that's going to be the case, then, then we've got to turn over our life to God and be part of His story and allow God to live through us and in us. So we talked about that a little bit. We want our lives to matter. And then we went into the mission statement. We said, if a church is to have the same idea, if the church is to make a difference, 
then what does that look like? And so we ask the question, why do we exist as a church? We don't exist to be, a, to be just a place where people gather once or twice or three times a week so that we can kind of fulfill this need in us to gather and feel good about ourselves. There are a lot of places that people could go or a lot of TV shows that they could watch to feel good about themselves. Hear what I'm saying? There's lots of other options, but that's not why we're here. We're here to proclaim Christ, and we express that in a way uh, that's a, a little bit different. Listen to this statement. We as a church exist to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ who impact the world. So our job is this equipping piece that we see in Matthew 28 where it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So there's that piece of it. And when we start talking about authentic followers, we get into Matthew 22, 36 through 40, where it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That piece where it says, I'm all in. So we exist to develop or grow or equip authentic followers, those that, whose heart, soul, mind, and strength is set on bringing pleasure or worshiping God. To develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ who impact the world. So we have a focus of who we're following. It's Jesus. It's not somebody else. It's not a football player. It's not a baseball player. None of those. It is Jesus Christ and Him alone. And then the end result of that is we impact the world. We don't just brush, and this is part of the wording in this, we don't just brush by our community with Jesus. Is we impact it. Do you think, oh, we're just out here and we exist on this corner because it's the land that God gave us and we're, we're just kind of going to hang out here. That's not why we're here. We're not here just to brush by our community with some nice thing. We are here as a church body being developed as authentic followers to impact our community and impact our world. It ought to have some oomph. When I, when I, played, when I played football as an eight-year-old, it's a scary thought. If you'd have seen me in high school, you'd said, that boy never played football. I was, I was about as thick as that. I was tall, skinny. I've changed. There was no, no meat on my bones. And so when I put on my pads as an eight-year-old, and, and, you know, I, I wanted the big pads, Dad. You know, I, wanted, I wanted stuff that looked different. So I would, I'd put on those pads and, you know, in, in the way it would be now, I mean, they were like out to here. They were big. And so I had a hard time walking. I had a hard time making it through doorways, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I put those on. And as small as I was, I realized that in that, that I can make an impact. I could hit somebody. It wouldn't even hurt me. And our, our job is to impact something. Is to be involved in such a way, regardless of where you stand in your relationship to, to Christ, where you feel like it's strong relationship or it's not so strong. I'm still in process. Understand that we have a job to impact those around us. And it ought to hit hard. That was the one thing that was yelled at me as an eight-year-old, hit somebody. So I'm telling you, 
in a Jesus kind of way. According to this, as authentic followers, we'll be real careful how, how, and I need you to hear it, hit somebody, okay, with the, with the message of the gospel. So we, we talked about what it means to, to have that kind of mission, and then we walked into um, this acrostic of pray, to promote, reach, administer, and yield, and last week we talked about the word yield. And we used this phrase, we said, we are to be the church by exhibiting a safe environment for people to biblically navigate life's journey and foster discussion of current issues growing in the practical application of godly truth. You say, well, that's a mouthful. Let me put it this way. It's pretty simple. Is that we ought to exist as a church as a place where people can come and wrestle with their faith. To ask questions. To say, I don't get it. I'm still growing. I'm trying to figure this out. Would you help me do that? Because there are a lot of places that you can go and a lot of churches that you can walk into where if you said, I doubt my faith or I'm not sure about what I believe or I don't think I believe the way you believe, that they would say, well, there's the door. You can find your way to the parking lot. I'll see you later. And we need to be a church that says, oh, you're wrestling with your faith. You're not sure you doubt you have issues, come in and let us help you learn and figure out who Jesus is and then develop as an authentic follower of Jesus Christ who impacts the world. That's what we ought to be about. So providing that safe environment for people to biblically navigate life's journey and to foster discussion of current issues. It also means that somebody can walk in here and say, I can't even balance my checkbook. Do you have something that can help me? Yeah, because the Bible talks a lot about money, a lot about debt, and a lot about those kinds of things. And so we have this class called Financial Peace that's going to be offered in January. It's going to start there, and we'd love for you to be part of that, and it's where we wrestle with financial issues. And part of that's going to be as a financial steward, as a steward of what God has given you, part of that is to give. And so you're going to learn not only how to give, but how to balance your checkbook. How to live out of envelopes, because that's a way to control your money instead of swiping plastic. And so that would be another piece of that, is having that safe environment to foster discussion and learn to apply what Scripture tells us. It's being a hospital that involves urgent care, extended care, and seeking to bring health in people's lives. Philippians 2 puts it like this, and it's, it's that mindset of yield. Philippians 2, 3 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but for the interest of others. Essentially recognizing that you and me, we don't have it all together. There are fights that happen in your home, just like there are fights that happen in mine. We can call them heavenly discussions or points of fellowship, you know, those kind of things. But in all honesty, they're fights. We have those. We have the kids that don't want to get out of bed or clean their room or eat what you put on the table. Those are, that's what happens at home. And we don't deal with the kids, we just, we just mess with each other. That's the advantage of empty nest. 
But all that's part of life, and we together have to navigate life and have a safe environment where we can do that. And so we want to provide that as a church. That's one of the vision pieces, is to say, we don't have it all together in humility. We're going to recognize where you're at and help you to navigate. So the question is, what do we expect God to do when we provide a safe place like that? And then we start looking at the, the next element of our vision statement. So, so the question is, what do you think God is going to do? What do you think he's about? And I want to remind you out of Ephesians 2.20, or 2, or 3.20, excuse me, 3.20, that it says this, as Paul writes this, talking about knowing Christ and the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Did you hear any limits in that? I didn't. What I really kind of heard was, whatever you can imagine, God can go beyond that. So if you say, well, I want a safe place, allow God to work. Say, I want to be a, a church that, that reaches out into the community and does what we're supposed to do as a church in, in regards to evangelism. Stop trusting yourself. Start relying on God. Say, well, that's hard. I know. I get it. I go to restaurants the same way you do, and I have the same fears when the waitress walks up and says, can I help you? Do you want something to drink? And, and it's really hard for things to come out of my mouth like, how can I pray for you today? Or can I share with you about Jesus? You say, yeah, but I thought you were a pastor, and I thought you'd have that figured out. No. Sometimes yes. Sometimes no. So we're in the same boat. We're processing this journey as we go. And my job is to develop as an authentic follower of Jesus Christ who impacts the world for him, and your job is the same. So we say, God, I want to I give up everything I am to follow you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what I want. And I hope you do. So the two questions on the front end of this is, what kind of church member do you want to be if you're a member of this church? Second part, if, if you attend and you're not a member, I would encourage you to be a member. That's, that's one. The second part of that is, in a more general sense, what kind of Christ follower do you want to be? Because here in, in the book of Ephesians, says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond when you start giving your life fully to him, he does exceedingly abundantly more than we can imagine. And he will use us as his vessels to do what he's called us to do. So we're going to look at this, this next vision piece this morning. As we remember, the mission of EBC is to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ who impact the world. It's developing authenticness that makes a change in somebody's life and in a community's life and in the world. Um, how many of you have ever taken a test in school? 
All right, there, there's some of you that haven't been to school. All right, so how many of you have taken a test in school? All right, that's, that's pretty close to everybody. All right, some of you will talk later. But, but I, I don't know about you. Do you. How many of you like tests? Yeah, the really smart ones love tests. The, the, the rest of us, I see those hands. Um, yeah, they were just not my favorite thing. And I remember, you know, as you get older, you start to develop a, a theory and, and a... That was weird. Um, you start to develop a philosophy of taking tests. Like when I was in, when I started seminary, I had a philosophy. I, I never wanted to stay up all night and study. It was just not, not my DNA. So, so I had this philosophy. If I would study really hard and go to bed early and then get up just a little bit earlier and look over it again and then walk into the classroom and take the test, I would be okay. And for me, now this is not true of everybody, but for me, that seemed to work. I did okay. I passed. My roommates, on the other hand, they would stay up all night long and banter back and forth all the things on the test. And so while they were over in the other corner of the room going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and, you know, some, sometimes it was teaching and, and leading each other, sometimes it was preaching at each other, all those kind of things, I was over there snoring. Because Debbie told me I snored. So not at that point, she, we weren't living together. That was in, so, that was, that was in a dorm room. So, um, yeah, be careful how you quote that one out of here. So, so I would, I would just, I had this diff, different philosophy. But it took me a long time to figure out I could calm down before tests. When I was much younger, I would get an upset stomach. And, I, and it would just kind of gnaw. And I don't know if you've ever been there. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd go in and see my mom. Oh, I don't feel good. I'm not feeling too good today. I mean, and it, it kind of cruised all the way through high school like that. My mom finally figured out that, that um, it was not a real stomach ache. It was that I forgot to study or I forgot to do my homework or, or something like that, and it would just gnaw at me. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you've had something happen and, and you just say, I was supposed to do that, and you didn't do it, and you knew the deadline was coming up, and you just felt uneasy. Been there? So it's like that. Do you ever get that same feeling when somebody starts to talk about evangelism? Like, I know I'm supposed to do that, but I just don't. Or start talking about witnessing, and they pull out that, that scripture about um, he who winneth, this is the, the King James Version, he who winneth souls is wise. And you go, well, I'm really dumb. You sit there and go that, and you play this game like, I ought to be able to do that. I ought to be able to share my faith. I've been going to church forever. Some of us have been here for a long time. You go, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's next. And so we get that gnawing in our stomach about something we should do, and then we read something like James 4.17. Let me, let me just flip over to it real quick. 
James 4.17 says, Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Yeah, oh man, that hurt my toes. Because I have every intention of doing it. God's not really looking. I mean, he checks your intention, but that's not the bottom line. And so you look at that and you go, now I feel really guilty because Scripture kind of tells me I need to do this. And we have this gnawing at us that we ought to do it and we should do it. And then we read something like we've done in our mission statement, we're to, we're to impact the world. And we want our lives to be an expression of authentic relationship with Christ. And we start to get that gnawing on the inside of us. And so how do you take that away? How do you get rid of that? To be the church for us, is, there are a couple pieces to that. One is what happens here in this building. It's the worship part. It's where we gather together to corporately worship. It's where we go to those small groups, whether it's back toward the preschool area with, with kids like that you saw up here singing in groups like they have, or it's down in the, the basement where the M&Ms meet. This is a young adult group that meets in the basement underneath the old sanctuary. It's down where you can hear the, the clumping of the feet of the kids upstairs. It's perfect. So that's a place. There's places on the hallway just as you walk in the building. There's a room to the right. There's a large group, and there are empty chairs there on Sunday morning. So that's one of the places we can be the church. We could do all that in here. We could do the fellowship meal on Wednesday nights. Some of it's with faith, obviously, faith Baptist, and some of it's just us together. But we can express being the church in that way. But there's another expression that goes outside the walls of this church. It has to. Because church, the church, is not really the building. It's a representation of where a people gather together, but it's not really the church. It's a church building. So we are supposed to go beyond the walls. How many of you have a, well, I, I'm not going to ask that. Let me, let me ask this question, or just tell you this. I've got some shirts at home that represent teams, different teams. I've got a, a penguin shirt that, that I wear because I follow the Pittsburgh Penguins. I've got, if you came to the, um, to the trunk or treat stuff up at North Campus, you saw that I have a Montreal Canadiens shirt that I, that I wore, that I picked up when I was in Montreal one time, one time, mission trip. But I liked, them, I liked that team when I was a kid. So I picked up that shirt. I've got it, and I'm glad none of you are booing so far. Um, I've got a Pittsburgh Steelers shirt. Go ahead. So I've got one of those. Um, and, and DJ's got a Cleveland Brown shirt. So he, he's got that. So we've got that going on. And, and Scott's got a Virginia Tech. And we could go around the room. And a whole bunch of you got Duke and North Carolina. There's, I know there's a couple of people in here that follow Georgia. And, and you may have a shirt or a hat or, or socks or boxers. You know, whatever it happens to be, you've got something that, represent that represents that team. And you don't wear it only when you go to the stadium, do you? Or the facility or wherever it happens to be. You wear it outside of that. 
And so as much as you put on Christian when you walk inside the building here, we ought to have that same identifying thing outside the walls of this church. It ought to be the same Jesus in here and out there. And if it's different, then we've got to talk about the authentic part of living out life in Christ. So what does that look like when we do that? We get to this, this next piece of our vision statement. It's the reach part. It says that we will be the church. Go ahead and put that up. We will be the church by equipping and sending believers to engage people in intentional gospel conversations throughout our community and the world. So I tell you what, let's, let's do this. Let's read that together um, so that we kind of get this in our, in our brains. Ready? To be the church by equipping and sending believers to engage people in intentional gospel conversations throughout our community and the world. Got it? Got it memorized? If I took it off, could you repeat it? No, don't feel bad. So we're to be sent, equipping and sending believers to engage people in intentional gospel conversations throughout our community and the world. So I, I want to kind of break this down real quick this morning. First thing, EBC, Ebenezer Baptist Church must be intentional. Romans 1.16 talks about the power of the gospel. 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the, faith, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Understand, the gospel is powerful. That's the first part we have to understand out of that. And if we're going to develop in righteousness, it starts by first trusting Christ. That's where it starts. We have to be intentional. And Paul, the way Paul writes this, as he goes through this, he says, I have an obligation to share. Verse 14 says, I am under obligation both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. And so he enlists in this, in this obligation everybody that he should share the gospel with, knowing that it is powerful. There's nobody outside the scope of Paul's influence that is, that is exempt from hearing the gospel from Paul's lips. And so when we start talking about equipping and sending believers, we have to understand that the word we're taking is powerful. And we have to be proactive in how we share it. That's the equipping part, is preparation. How, to, how do we do that? How do we even have gospel conversations? I want to start with this premise. And it's a quote that I heard a long time ago. That you can no more share what you don't have, then you can come back from somewhere you haven't been. Just let that sink in for a minute. You can't share what you don't have any more than you can come back from somewhere you haven't been. So for us, when we start talking about the gospel, first question is, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's where it starts. So you have to ask yourself the question, do I have that relationship? Because I can go through the motions. It's going to go out with no power apart from Christ. So we share a gospel conversation. It is pretty easy. Um, we, we can flip over to John 3.16, and you know John 3.16, and we have an understanding of that. 
And it's very simple to go through this. He said, for God so loved the world, for God so loved you. I, I want to I ask for some help. Isaac, would you come on up here for a second? Yeah, go ahead and skip steps. You're brave. I have bifocals. I can't do that. Have a seat over here. You get the cushion chair. So, so here's, here's the way. You, if you're going to do a gospel conversation, it's not terribly complicated. Um, you don't know John 3.16, but let me share it with you. Okay? So, so if I'm sharing with you the, the way I would do this, and I would always, just in case I need a cup of coffee, is, is I'd sit across from you and just say, hey, can I share something with you? Good. Thanks for answering yes, because you're on stage and everybody's watching. Um, God, no, I didn't want you to say no. You, you did well. Um, for God so loved the world. Do you know that God loves you? You can tell me every time. God, hey, look, look, listen. I know that God loves you. And he, and he loves me. And he gave his only son. You know what that means? That God gives, gave a gift. And I, I know you may not understand what that gift is. But God gave this gift of his only son. See, he allowed his son to go to a cross on our behalf and to die. Which is, which is crazy. That the God of the universe, almighty God, would give his only the, the person that he loved the best on our behalf. And he gave his only begotten son, one of a kind son, only unique. And he gave him to die for us. So that if we trusted him, if we believed in him, that we'd have eternal life. That we wouldn't perish, but we'd have eternal life. I know that that may seem crazy. But, but I just want to kind of open that door in sharing about what it means to have a relationship with Christ. It means that God loved you enough to send his son to die for you so that you could live forever. And, I, and we'll have more conversation about this um, later. But right now, we need to have some coffee and you need to go study. Thanks, man. Having a gospel conversation does not have to be this incredibly hard thing. Having a gospel conversation just starts with the realization that God loved you and he loves me and he loves the person sitting across from you just as much. And so it's about sharing the love of God and saying God loves you enough to send his son. Now I want to tell you, you're going to get to the part where there's truth in love, where you're going to have to say, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us sin. And to the person sitting in this chair, they're going to know that. You're just calling it out. But they also know that when you sit in this chair, that you sin just the same. Because if you have a relationship with them, they're going to see that. They're going to know you get mad in the parking lot and in the line and all that kind of stuff. And so exposing or sharing with them that all sin and fall short of the glory of God, but then talking about the gift of God and the forgiveness that's available through Jesus is part of that conversation. So when we talk about gospel conversation, it's not about doing a one, two, three, four, five, six regimented list of things that you have to get through so that they hear it. It's about telling your story and God's love for you and the response that you had to God's gift. Through Jesus. It's truth and love. It's, it's grace-filled. It encourages a decision. 
Say, if I were to ask you if you were to die tonight, how would you answer that? I don't know. Well, let me share with you how. And then when you get to the end of that, say, would you like to receive Jesus as your Savior and become a follower of Christ? It's about asking for a decision. And really, it's going to be offensive. Because you've told them they sinned. You told them they'll be eternally separated from God if they don't accept Christ. And some people have a hard time with the exclusiveness of the gospel. Although it's inclusive of everybody, the invitation is for everybody. It's exclusive in the fact that only those that accept Christ go to heaven. You may go, I don't know if I agree with that. Wrestle with it. And look at Scripture. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. It's pretty simple. The second thing that we must do is we must be interactive. That Matthew 28, as you go. You're listening to this audio from Ebenezer So we are equipping we and we're sending. The, the interactive part is sending. We are designed to be a people that if go. You found this resource helpful, it was kind of an assumption of Jesus, wasn't it? As you go, or kind of as you do life, do this. Go make disciples. So let me ask you a question. Do you feel sent? If Jesus said go, do you feel sent? And so maybe it starts with God, I know that I'm supposed to do this. Maybe you and I need to have a conversation and I, have to, and I need to feel like I'm being sent by you. And that seems kind of strange. But it's that... It's, it's God asking the same question that he asked Isaiah in Isaiah 6, who will go for us? And Isaiah's response is, here I am, send me. Maybe we need to have that same response in worship to God that says, I'm willing to go and be sent. So we're a sending place. And then we're a, pe- we're a place where we engage people. We have to go where people do life. That's going to look different. Because if we don't encourage that, then we've missed our boat. We're, we're not outside the walls of our church. So remember, being the church happens, happens outside these walls as well. So we go to places like schools. We go to places like grocery stores. We go to, go to the ball fields. We even go to jobs where people don't know Jesus and need to know about Jesus. It's part of our responsibility to engage people in a conversation about Jesus and engage them in a conversation that helps them to understand the love of God. Acts 1.8 is that passage where Jesus sends them. He says, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The picture of what we're responsible for starts where we're at. It's where you rub shoulders with people and it expands. If we go to the grocery store, that's who we rub shoulders with. So it's essentially where you live, where you do life. That's the community. The world part of that, we can put that in the category of missions if you want. Because there's some of us that travel on a regular basis, and that becomes the world part. Some of us will only go once a year somewhere for two weeks, and we'll do some roofing, and we'll do VBS, and we'll share the gospel with somebody. That's the world part. 
We have to take every opportunity to share. Colossians 4. Colossians 4 says this in verse 5 and 6. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the op- of the opportunity or every opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned, as it were, with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. We need to do life in the places where people don't know Jesus. And often that's outside these walls. So our, the vision for us goes back to, go ahead and flip to that, that screen. The vision piece for us in the reach is that we would be equipping and sending believers to engage people in intentional gospel conversations through our, throughout our community and our world. So last week we talked about safe environment. This week we talked about equipping and sending. Major pieces of what we're called to be as a church as we develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ who impact the world. Would you pray with me? Father, we admit and confess that when we talk about witnessing and evangelism and sharing the gospel, that it scares us. Sometimes it's just uncomfortable. For some of us, it's, it's a natural part of what we do, and it's no big deal. But others, we struggle. And so, Father, as we consider this piece of our vision as a church, God, that you would help us to be in that place where we can be equipped, to know that we're sent, to go out with intentionality, that people would come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Father, I pray for us in this room, and there may be some in here that cannot share the gospel. They, they wouldn't really have an idea of what relationship with you means because they've never received the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. They've never accepted him into their life. And so, Father, I pray that they would have the boldness to, to question and just come forward and say, I, I just want to know more about that. And I want to give my life to Christ this morning. And so, Father, some of us need to be challenged in our boldness, and some of us need to to walk and commit our lives to Christ. And so, Father, help us to be obedient to this during this time, that it would please you and honor you and be an act of worship in this building this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.